Hello and welcome back to another episode, episode three in fact, of Let's Talk with Sophie Yasmin. Today's episode is quite a big subject, self-image. Now I thought the subject of anxiety was big, but I think self-image encompasses basically every single thing that we have to deal with in life. If we can conquer our self-image, we can conquer everything. This episode, you can think of it as a sort of almost an introduction to self-image. I've been using the book Psycho-Cybernetics by Dr. Maxwell Maltz. Cyber-Cybernetics is a big, big influence on this particular episode. And of course, my own experiences and whatever comes out of my head as I'm speaking to you now. (laughs) So without any pressure at all, let's get my take on self-image. Right, so self-image. What is self-image okay so we're talking about it's the mental picture of yourself mental and spiritual in some cases picture that you have of your of yourself and it's actually how you believe others see you your self-image doesn't necessarily match up to what you are or how you come across to others it's most importantly how you believe you come across to others. Okay, so this is a really, really interesting subject. Um, I'm actually really excited about this, so bear with me. Then we have self-esteem. How does that differ to self-image? Well, your self-esteem is more about how you feel about yourself, which is then linked to self-confidence. Now, obviously, this is all linked, okay? So we have confidence, which is then linked to your self-worth. Notice how all these words mention self. Everything's about the self. And then we have people that say, you know, you need to to love yourself. Self-love is so important, okay? So all of this is encompassed within the umbrella term of self-image, okay? And your self-esteem is an offshoot of that, which then goes on to affect your self-confidence and how you actually go on to live your life. So self-image, very, very important. So while studying psychocybernetics, the book by Maxwell Maltz, he was a uh, plastic surgeon. So this was this, this is a fascinating book. Um, he says, when you change a man's face, you almost invariably change his future. So after corrective surgery, whether it was, you know, a, a vanity project, someone just wanted to look better, you know, if they thought they would look better by doing so, or they'd had an accident and they needed corrective surgery. It doesn't matter which one. Some patients had no change in personality. But most cases, when there was a big physical correction or alteration, they had a massive rise in self-esteem and self-confidence within at least sort of three weeks. But also in some cases, and this is the interesting part, the patients continue to feel really inadequate and just basically inferior. And you think, well, you've just had this surgery. You now look, inverted commas, perfect or good. But they continue to feel and act as if they were ugly or whatever their perception, you know, in that negative realm was. So Maxwell Maltz came to realize that personality actually has a face. It's a non-physical face. And that is your self-image. And the self-image is the key to your personality and behavior. So we're going to delve much further into this concept, you know, because how you think of yourself mentally within, it's not even a physical thing. It's purely mental. 
that image you have of yourself actually sets the boundaries of what you are able to accomplish. It, it almost defines what you can or can't do, which is why it is so, so important to have a grasp, to have a handle on your, on your self-image. You know, if you've never sort of considered what your self-image is before, then maybe it's, it's wise to sort of reflect and go deep within and have a, have a, have a feel for what's actually on your mind. What do you think of yourself? How do you think of yourself in certain aspects of life? Okay, so the term positive thinking, it's great to be a positive thinker. Obviously, that's what we all want. But the way that the term is just sort of spread about, I kind of don't like because I think it gives it this connotation of like this ease, like, oh, positive thinking, just slap that on it like a plaster and it will just do everything. It will just fix everything. I think there has to be a bit more knowledge behind what positive thinking actually entails, you know, because it works with some people and not with others. And why is that? You know, because if it's a, a one fix for everything, then surely it would just work for everyone. Just think positively. Easy. Done. The thing is, is that I think positive thinking only works when it's consistent with your self-image. OK, so the thing that you're trying to think positively about can only work if that matches with what you actually believe about yourself. You know, it can't work if you're trying to think one thing, but actually deep down within yourself, you fundamentally believe that you're not good at that. You don't look good. Uh, I don't know. You're never going to achieve anything in life. Right. Does that make sense? When I was reading this book and coming across that written out in such a clear way, I was like, Man, that's that's so true. I've never really sort of thought about that in such a broken down way. So I hope that helps someone that's listening right now that that's actually very, very clear to understand. And so the title of that book, Psycho-Cybernetics. Psycho, to do with the mind. Okay, we get that. Cybernetics, what's that? I mean, that's kind of a word that puts you off even looking at that book, let alone reading it. Um... But cybernetics is actually uh, it's like a system in a machine, okay? That's cybernetics. So like our air conditioning systems, for example, okay? So we set on the thermostat the, the temperature that we want it to be. I always like it to be warmer than cold, if you know me. That's definitely going to be happening. So it will fire up where it needs to be warmer in the room. If it's, if it's under what you've just set the temperature at, it will all fire up and it will start to heat up the house or the room, Okay. But then someone leaves the window open or they go out and they leave the door open and all this cold air comes rushing in so the temperature actually drops below what the set temperature is. Then this is the cybernetic system. This is what happens. It blasts into action again and it works and all fires up to get the heating on to bring the temperature back up to the set temperature. That's a cybernetic system. Okay, that's just one example. The brain and the nervous system actually come together to, to form a complex goal-striving mechanism. So the goal in the central heating example was the set temperature, okay? So the goal-striving mechanism, that's the definition of cybernetics, of a cybernetic system. So the brain and nervous system together, the goal-striving mechanism, the cybernetic system, they work as either a success mechanism for you or as a failure mechanism against you. This totally depends on, on how we operate it and the goals that we set it, okay? So it's kind of simple to understand with what we just talked about, the positive thinking. If our self-image is positive and in a positive light and we've set goals that are positive, 
then this mechanism, which we're going to talk about and sort of unpick and unlock and figure out what this actually is, you know, it was news to me when I read this book, everything will start working in our favor towards that goal. However, if our self-image is negative and based on negative beliefs about ourselves and therefore the, the sort of unconscious goal we have in our head is something negative, that same mechanism does not differentiate between positive or negative. It will just do on command whatever is set, whatever goal is set in the system. Okay? So what we're actually deep, deep within thinking about, believe about ourselves is so, so important because that shapes what actually happens in our lives. Okay, so we can know what, what we're thinking. We can sort of make a choice like, yes, okay, I would really like a positive self-image, right? But the self-image is based on whether we know it or not. It's based on all of our experiences in the past, Okay, so it's like the brain will take us back into our catalogue of memories and experiences and it will use whatever we felt about a certain experience in the past and all of those, whether they're failures or successes, to sort of base our actions and behaviour on, on those. So as it says in Psycho-Cybernetics, your current state of self-confidence and poise is a result of what you've experienced, not what you've learned intellectually. So in essence, if we want to sort of experience success, and by success I don't mean like monetary success. What I mean by success here is positive results. So by experiencing success, we actually can create more success. Now how annoying, because you know, if we're, if we're, if we're not in a habit of experiencing success, then does that mean we're never going to actually experience success? Well, there are many ways of looking at this and you know, it's, it's our memories of our past successes, of the past experience that sort of give us that self-confidence to go ahead. You know, they boost our self-image for us to go ahead and experience success in the next thing that we're, we're trying to do. How can we actually draw up memories of these past successful experiences when you've only ever experienced failure? Let's say we're talking about a certain example here, like... You're trying to get a job, but you can't get one because you've got no experience. But you can't get the experience unless you have a job. I mean, I've certainly experienced that before. And I remember thinking, this is ridiculous. Like how, unless someone just gives me a chance, how can I do this? We can create this experience and control it in our own mind. Sounds pretty crazy, but I like this idea. I like that we don't have to rely on any external circumstances for our own experiences you know we can do it ourselves and there's something quite satisfying and comforting in that knowledge I think that we really are the masters of our own destinies you know we, we can really really do it ourselves I like that it's actually been clinically and scientifically proven that the human nervous system cannot tell the difference between an actual experience and an experience that you've imagined vividly in your mind, in detail, you know, not just like, oh, I have a nice pet. No, what kind of pet? Are they furry? Are they hairy? Are they soft? Are they coarse? You know, <laughs> that just came into my mind. This is the kind of thing that happens on my podcast. You're going to get these weird examples because this is how it works. So the human nervous system, this is worth repeating. It cannot tell the difference between an actual experience in the physical realm 
and an experience imagined in your mind. That is mind-blowing. I mean, just imagine the power that we have now that we know that. And there's so many examples of that that we sort of take for granted. Sport, sports psychology, it's so, it's been around for so many years and is sort of widely accepted, you know, much more than sort of maybe some more spiritual practices or, you know, even in music, you know, as I'm a musician, you know, that's, that's close to my heart, the idea of mental practice, you know, we accept that now. But maybe in some other sort of, I don't know, like let's say you're a chef and you said to your fellow chef friend, oh, I cooked up an omelette in my mind and it was delicious. You know, they'd look at you like you're totally round the twist. You know, but in sport, if you say, oh yeah, so I, I ran that 100 meter race in my head and I won it and I beat Usain Bolt's record. That's totally accepted, isn't it? Okay, but these are just, it's just mental preparation. It's your visualization technique to sort of build up many, many, many records of success in your brain. It's using this concept, this scientifically proven concept, that if you experience a lot of success in something, when you go to actually, in your mind even, when you go to do that in, in real life, in the physical realm, your brain will have all those successful attempts stored in its memory. And that's what it pulls on to allow you to achieve the success in that physical moment, in the real, in real life. So going back to Maxwell Maltz, the, the plastic surgeon, he discovered two things. The first being that all of our actions, feelings and behaviours, and even our abilities, are consistent with our self-image. You know, we, we are basically the sort of person that we think ourselves to be. It's just that way. Then there's this sort of vicious cycle, you know, where the experiences that we have actually reinforce our self-image because our self-image is the foundation of everything we do, our personality, our circumstances. So, you know, if we experience these so-called failures, that's what we remember. And therefore, every time we step out and try and do things again, well, we, you know, we all operate on our stored bank memory bank of experiences so those are failure experiences so then we just continue to be in this vicious cycle of failure if you like and if i if i were to use an example from being a musician you know that we actually prove ourselves correct when we're in this vicious cycle so say you know i i'm lacking confidence in performing of course i mean of course i've experienced this and i still do to this day performance anxiety is a thing so I have, let's say, I have this self-image, this negative belief that, like, I can't perform well, okay? And all my friends are like, what are you talking about? You perform so well. I love your playing. I love the sound you make. You know, they, they say all these things because that's what they hear. That's what they see because they're seeing me or hearing me from their point of view, which is positive, you know, whereas I'm defining myself based on maybe one experience or many experiences of so-called failures where I felt like I had terrible performances okay so can you see how the way I think of that and myself and my experiences will then go on to shape my next performance perhaps where I'm full of the negative self-talk the negative self-image so what do you think is going to happen I mean it's obviously most likely that the performance will be under par I will have a bad performance, or it won't be my best performance, you know? Therefore, I prove myself correct. And the only reason for that is because that's what I believe. 
even if it's not true. While speaking this out loud to you, I'm thinking, damn, I've done that so many times and I, and I continue to do it to this day. See, I told you my podcast was about self-realization. It's all about me, this one. But yeah, if, I, if anything I say rings true for anyone else, then that is absolutely the reason why I'm doing this. Okay, so um, it's, let's call it self-therapy on air. So the discovery number two was that the self-image can be changed. You know, you're never too young or too old for this. It's never too late, okay? So positive thinking does not work by itself. In my notes here, I I, I wrote, (laughs) I drew a circle, which was not a perfect circle, so I'm not crazy, and wrote self-image inside that circle. And then I have all these penetrating arrows trying to get in, and that's positive thinking. You know, it's just a sort of waste of time. So positive thinking, with that, all the effort is directed to just the external circumstances rather than the crux, the centre of it, okay? And that's what my diagram was trying to explain. You know, you've got the self-image in the centre of this circle, and then positive thinking trying to get in, but it's just stuck on on the external ring. If we can find a way to get in to the crux, the self-image, not just the external circumstances of it, once we've changed our concept of ourself, everything will feel much easier because everything that's consistent with that new self-image will start to just flow with us, you know? And um, Brené Brown, wonderful author, um, Gifts of Imperfection, uh, Daring Greatly, two great books that I've read recently from her, um, she makes this comparison between self-worth and shame, okay? So... Again, it's this self-talk that we have. Saying something like, I can't cook. I'm rubbish at maths. My brain isn't wired for maths. You know, people say this kind of thing all the time. I say things like that. Brené Brown very, very clearly says that that's shaming yourself. Saying stuff like that about yourself, which if you, you know, the more you say something about yourself or to yourself, the more you're going to start to believe it. You know, it's more likely that you're going to believe it if you repeat, repeat, repeat something, isn't it? So practice makes perfect, as they say. She says that the opposite of that, what you can do, the sort of how you can change your language to to get away from that shaming and that sort of failure-inducing habit way of talking, would be to say, oh, I burnt that omelette today. You know, I was probably, I I was in a bit of a rush. And, you know, oh man, that maths exam, I just, I hadn't learned everything I needed to know about it. You know, so you're not a failure, you just failed at that, at that moment in time. And I really like that. I actually hear a lot of people say, ah, stupid me. And I'll stop them now and I'll say, hang on, you're not stupid. You've said that so many times in this week. It doesn't, you know, be careful because you'll start to become stupid. I know that sounds ridiculous, but... You know, I read these books and it starts to sort of just come out of my mouth before I've even thought about it. But it's that same concept, you know, are you stupid if you've done something wrong? Well, no, you just did it wrong. Don't be so hard on yourself. This is the way that I'm, I'm starting, only just starting to, to, to change the way I speak to myself, speak to others and hear others speak about themselves. It's a... Uh, Once you become aware of this, you hear it so often, it will actually start to hurt you. Now, I don't want that to hurt you in a bad way, but I mean, it will start to sort of make you feel 
like, no, don't talk about yourself like that. Don't talk about my friend like that. That's, that's how I want to be, you know? So what are some factors to really, really live our lives in the best way possible and to enjoy our life? You know, the precious life that has a finite, undetermined as yet, amount of days. So we, we basically want an adequate and realistic self-image. I'm not saying here that we're all going to become, you know, we'll have superiority complexes and think we're better than everyone else or better than we are. It's not about that, but it's about not being the opposite. You know, if, if one person would listen to this podcast and say, well, you know, oh, great, so I'll just talk myself up then. And my argument to that would be, well, okay, are you going to just talk yourself down? It's the same in my eyes. So maybe some ways of doing this is knowing yourself, know your positives and negatives, you know? So the self-image, it's got to be something that's like a reasonable picture of you, nothing more, nothing less, you know? So you, when you're feeling good and secure, rather than the negative self-image, which would be when you're feeling anxious, insecure, like threatened in some sort of way, okay? So... The, our positive self-image and self-confidence are linked. If you enhance your self-image, your self-esteem, the way you feel about yourself, as we said at the beginning, and your confidence are going are gonna to rise rapidly and then everything in your life will start to sort of concertina, domino effect, improve. Not saying that this is an ov- overnight experience, that this will take time and, um, you know, being caring of yourself and nurturing yourself. Okay, so I just want to spend some time talking about the subconscious mind. I mean, let's see if we can talk about it like this. We all have a life instinct, humans and animals, to to live, to survive, working towards being healthy, happy, to enjoy, you know, whatever serves you individually. This is what they call the creative mechanism. Okay, so that's either your success mechanism or failure mechanism, like we've mentioned before. The subconscious mind is a mechanism. This is the goal-striving, servo-mechanism, okay? This is the cybernetics part of what we're talking about here. So, the brain and nervous system together is your servo-mechanism, okay? And it's used by and directed by our mind. So if you present it with a positive goal, a success goal, we'll be using the success mechanism. But however, if if we're inputting a negative goal, whether conscious or not, the failure mechanism is what will be used instead. So just as the the human nervous system can't tell the difference between a a real actual experience, a real physical experience, compared to one that's just imagined in your mind, in that same way, the subconscious mind does not care whether you input a positive or negative goal. It will do as it's told, okay? So it's, it's very impersonal in that way. This is where we have to be careful. We have to know what we're inputting to shape what we get out. This is actually an automatic mechanism, okay? It's like you input the goal and off it goes, automatically getting on with it, okay? So our area of what's possible in our life, of our goals or what we think we can achieve, is is set by our self-image. There's a really, there's a quote that I like. If you can remember, worry or tie your shoe, you can succeed. In fact, I think it is Maxwell Maltz that said that. He's the plastic surgeon from the Psycho-Cybernetics book. I really like that because it basically means 
if you have a memory, if you're able to worry, which is just a, a choice compared to whatever the opposite of worrying is, belief, or tie your shoe, you can physically do something that actually involves a memory, a physical and mental memory of having learned to do it, you can succeed. You have everything you need in order to choose a positive goal that gets put into that success mechanism and to succeed. I like that. It's sort of very simple in the end. And with that simplicity, all we need is one experience that made us feel good about ourselves. Okay, it doesn't need to be something amazing like, you know, I made £50,000 on the stock exchange. No, it can be something really small, like I made a cupcake for someone and they really enjoyed it. Mm, that sounds good. It doesn't need to be some massive success. Something I'm doing right now to sort of retrain my belief about something, I'm right-handed, so my belief that I've grown up with is that I cannot write with my left hand. So I thought, well, this is something inspired by Bob Proctor, who I've mentioned uh, in the anxiety episode, episode one. So this idea came from him. Every single day for a year, I'm going to write with my left hand. Now, what I, what I am choosing to write is my sort of goal for the year or a goal that I, I would like to achieve however long it takes me. So I'm writing every single day with my left hand and I've been doing it for a few months now and I actually have done it every single day because it takes about 10 seconds and I'm I'm sitting there with my tongue out you know like some sort of crazed child you know really trying to sort of concentrate on my writing and I'm doing joined up writing you know I'm not doing baby style and it's crazy some of the time it goes all over the place like through the lines you know not very neat but it's amazing. I am writing with my left hand and I'm holding the pen. I'm starting to hold the pen now like it's comfortable, like it's normal. So I'm I'm rewriting this belief about myself that I can't write with my left hand. So at first, my belief, my self-image in this particular example is I can't write with my left hand after a few weeks or a month or so. Oh, I, I'm learning to write with my left hand. You see how it changes gradually? Until it gets to a point where I can write with my left hand. My self-image has changed. Our belief is based on our experience, whether it is positive or negative. So I, have, I, I am guiding my experience here. I, am, I, am, I have chosen something and I am changing my belief about it. Amazing. I mean, it's quite simple, isn't it, when we put it like this? So with that sort of simplicity and the belief of it being simple, I want to try and take that put it onto something a little bit more fundamental, some sort of fundamental belief about my personality or how I come across to others or maybe how I, I look, something like that, and maybe I can start to change that belief in time, of course. Building a new self-image can't just be achieved by sheer willpower or sitting down and deciding one day, right, I'm going to change my self-image. I mean, of course we need to do that too but we can't just have that alone there's got to be some sort of reason and justification that the old image we have of ourselves is wrong that we don't believe it anymore so the thing is is that we have to feel that this new self-image is our truth so that's where imagination comes in this mental picturing okay so you see what you want clearly in your mind as if you have it right now. Everything in the present tense is if you are 
it or have it right now. Whatever it is, that negative self-image that you have, it could be to do with your your physical appearance, it could be your ability to do something. Let's go back to my example of um, being a musician and you know worrying about bad performances or my worth as a musician compared to others, that kind of thing. If I want to improve that, which of course I do, <laughs> it's something that is very dear to our hearts as musicians, I think we will always be thinking in that way in some way, shape or form, you know, otherwise it's becoming basically bulletproof, which is, I guess, a really good thing to be. Um, but we're sensitive beings if we're musicians, so I can understand how we feel like that about ourselves. I don't know where I came across this concept, but I love it. It's thinking of our future, this imagined, visualized future that hasn't happened yet, already as if it's a memory. It's like experiencing it right now as if it's already happened. That is the absolute key. Okay, so that picture that you have becomes your goal and your target. Then, as we've been discussing, that automatic creative mechanism takes over. Depending on your thoughts, it will either be the success mechanism or the failure mechanism. So we're mentally picturing our desired end result. And that forces us to use positive thinking. You see how it's the other way around. We don't put the positive thinking on our negative beliefs. No, we change the belief first and therefore our thinking becomes positive. But it's just about aligning your belief with your true self. Being in line with your goals, you know, with what you want and believing you can have it. I really genuinely believe we can, we can do it. You can do it. I can do it. Thank you so much again for being here and taking the time to listen. And I really genuinely hope that something in this episode has sparked something in you that it could be that spark for change, you know, for you believing in yourself or changing that self-image. It's certainly just even speaking this episode has helped me. So I'm going to choose something, you know, something to do with me, something fundamentally to do with my personality. And I'll just give it a whirl, just give it a try. Changing our self-image is like changing the habit of a lifetime in most cases, I guess. So, you know, let's just have fun with it. I believe in you. And um, thank you again for being here. So much gratitude to all of you for getting this far into the episode. Gratitude would be a great topic for another episode, actually. So until then, speak to you soon.